Hello and welcome to the special Denver edition of the Low Key Podcast. This episode is sponsored by Justin's. Justin's creates a nut butter that's naturally delicious with flavors like maple, honey, vanilla, and chocolate. If you have a sweet tooth, go try their peanut butter cups, which come in dark chocolate and white chocolate. So go to Justin's and get a tasty treat. Now, without further ado, Brandon from Our Mutual Friending Brewery. It's nice, it's easy, it's low-key. Let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Low Key. I'm here with Brandon Puff with Our Mutual Friend Brewing Company. How you doing, man? I'm good. It's Prof. Prof? Prof with an oh, R. Oh, dang it. I messed up. <laughs> That's okay. That happens. Yeah, I thought it was Puff. Did I say Puff or what did I say? Puff. Puff? Did I say Puff? Yeah. I guess I didn't read it right, so it's Prof. Prof, yeah. Prof. Is that like a German yes, name? Yes, I think. Okay. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's German. Nice. Well, um, kind of tell us a little bit about what first got you into craft beer and how Mutual Brewing, Mutual Friend Brewing Company started. Our Mutual Friend. Our Mutual Friend. I get tongue-tied with that. I'm Yeah, I'm, I'm not good at coming up with names for things that doesn't tongue-tie people, so <laughs> I let it slide for sure. Uh, so, I got into craft beer because I played music uh, for a number of years and toured around, and one of the things that we would do on tour is try and find breweries to stop by because we were really poor, and back then, you could go to breweries and get free samples. Nowadays, nice. it doesn't happen that way anymore, so... Uh, oh, darn it. Yeah. Back then, you could go to Dogfish Head and Sam would be there working and give you all the beer you wanted for free. And so we thought, this is a good way to, you know, have a good time before we go to a venue and play. And we don't have to spend any of our per diem on mm-hmm. beer. We get to spend it on food, which is the smarter thing to do. So I got into beer. <laughs> Our bartenders, they're throwing cakes around. <laughs> I got into beer because of music and then after I stopped playing music um, my friends and I were talking about starting a brewery and um, we actually we were we were talking about opening a brewery because it was a excuse to meet up and sit around and drink beer yeah and uh, hang out and have a good time and then we found this building that we're in and it just kind of all fell into place really nicely so um, I never really seriously wanted to open a brewery and then suddenly it was a real thing so yeah yeah um that was almost five years ago wow um what have have you seen any changes for you um or anything different from when you started to now uh yes 
tons of changes. We opened in this neighborhood uh, in 2012, and at the time, people would tell me that they didn't feel comfortable going beyond Larimer Lounge, which is a block that way towards town, which is kind of discouraging to hear when you're a block past that yeah. point. And it was just kind of an unsafe industrial neighborhood. And now it's booming. There's almost a dozen breweries here mm. just in this neighborhood. You know, I hear about cities in other parts of the country that don't even have 10 craft breweries. We have a dozen in this neighborhood. Um, yeah. It's changed a lot. That's and awesome. the climate of craft beer has been really positive in spite of this constant kind of antagonizing thing that outside people do about saturation and, yeah um, so yeah it's fun being in a brewery neighborhood for that reason I'd say that's awesome um, I was gonna say like Tulsa doesn't have many breweries so I don't I don't I don't even think we have um, I think we only have four or five but it's yeah. cool to come to a city like this and there's like a ton of breweries yeah but but, but more on the micro level there's a ton on mm-hmm. the micro level, which I love to see and I think is cool. Yeah. I think there's a little over 60 breweries in Denver. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yep, yep. Um, and then something like 250 breweries in the state. Wow. So we rival California and Oregon in that regard. Uh, but this neighborhood, specifically in Denver, is the the neighborhood with the highest uh, quantity of breweries um, and people come to this neighborhood for that reason. Wow, I didn't know that. That's really awesome. Yeah. So, I'm drinking one of your guys' beers. Can you tell me a little bit about what it is and what's what it it is, basically? Well, a a good question is, (laughs) what do you think it is? What does it taste like to you? Um, It tastes like an IPA. Okay. Um, Close. Close. So, it is... A single malt, single hot pale ale, which oh. is called like a smash beer. Um, we try and have as many all Colorado ingredient beers as we can. Okay. And so this one is uh, specifically uh, Pilsner malt from Root Shoot Malting up in uh, Loveland. And then uh, Colorado grown Cascade, I believe uh, from Peonia, which is on the western slope. Um, higher wire hops they're called they do really really great um, cascade and so we wanted to kind of highlight these two specific ingredients it doesn't end up being quite as complex of a beer as you know one of the standard types of pale ales or IPAs but it's cool in that you can you know really get to know a specific type of hop and in the context of Colorado ingredients I think that cascade is not like Cascade grown everywhere else so you get to see what Colorado Cascade's like Um, and we also designed it to be very very sessionable so it's only a little bit above 4% which is pretty cool so that beer is very fresh it just came out yesterday that's awesome yeah it tastes really really fresh and I love it it's really smooth too but it has a a tip of a bite but not not too much of a bite yeah yeah and uh, that's something we've been really working on we have done a lot of work on ipas and learning how to get really good at really hoppy beer but yeah um you know i feel like i've 
been kind of let down by pale ales generally in my whole time being interested in craft beer and yeah you know i think it's just a kind of a tough beer to make interesting um and we decided that we would do a series of beers that are only one hop and get a chance to see you know what comes out of it from you know only having that one hop in the spotlight so yeah i'm i'm trying more to get more into like the ipas and stuff Mm -hmm. i love I'm a porter guy. I love stouts and stuff. Cool. But I'm trying to get to be more of a, I guess, a hop head or yeah, drink yeah. more hops and trying to taste it more. Because the more I drink IPAs, the more I start to love them, and I love that that hoppiness. Um, so this is really delicious. Thanks. So yeah, and uh, when after you drink that one, um, the other beer I'll have you try is uh, we're doing a. It's called the Sown Project, and it's with a bunch of. Colorado breweries that uh, we're all brewing Colorado only ingredient supply chain beers and we have a nitro cedar porter on right now Wow! and it uses malt from three different craft maltsters in Colorado and cedar um, chips from uh, the property of Colorado Malting Company in Alamosa that's amazing Um, yeah and it's also uh, you know only a little over 4% so it's very sessionable it's on nitro so it's nice and creamy and that's cool um but yeah that's one of the things that we're really trying to do is come up with a lot of beers using colorado malt and hops that um you know try to get more people into seeking out colorado beers yeah um, and also trying to get more breweries into making them because that's been an interesting thing uh, it's kind of cost prohibitive at the moment to yeah. buy Colorado ingredients compared to, uh, you know, the general, like, larger craft beer uh, suppliers. Hmm. That's interesting. Wow. What would you say um, for you was the the biggest struggle in the making of our mutual friending? We started with no money. <laughs> so that was a huge challenge. Uh, when I got involved in the project, I call it at the time, trying to figure out what to do. My contribution was building the tap room, and I said, I have an American Express with a $5,000 limit, yeah. and I will put everything for the tap room on my card and max it out, and that, that's my, <laughs> that's my like $5,000 buy-in. And you're like, okay, let's see now that I look back on it, it was a pretty uh, minuscule contribution. It was kind of stupid for me to get myself into it that way, but that was a good example of what we were dealing with. I mean, we started on, I believe it totaled up to forty-ish thousand dollars, which is, you know, now I'm working on doing a phase two expansion. Nothing mm-hmm. crazy, and you start putting a list together of the equipment that you want to purchase to really up your game, be better at, uh, you know, having a higher capacity and higher quality. And that list went up past a half million dollars without even trying, you know? So I think it's pretty interesting that we were able to pull that off, but admittedly it meant our beer was really bad when we first opened and we had to, grow and put every cent that we made into improving 
Mm. So that was the big challenge when we started. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. What was your uh, first craft beer that you had and that you that made you think that beer is a bigger part um, or craft beer is a bigger part of your world? Probably Fat Tire, honestly. Oh, I love Fat Tire. Yeah. I would uh, go to house parties that my friends were throwing and I remember them saying, oh, you, you haven't had this yet. It's mm-hmm. uh, brewery in Fort Collins. And uh, I thought it was great. So, you know, now it's the world has changed a lot. And I think that New Belgium even had a, a little bit where people didn't think they were cool anymore. But <laughs> nowadays, I think that they're one of the biggest advocates for um, craft beer and breweries that are a lot smaller and yeah. have less resources than them and they're trying to you know do things responsibly and hmm. put money back into the community and things like that so yeah I think that I may not have known it at the time but you know they were they were inspiring and a good example for how to run a brewery even today so it's cool yeah that that co- that goes into my next question what what brewery like when you started up inspires you and 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 what brewery still constantly inspires you that's a tough one things have changed a lot i before i started uh the brewery i i was really into firestone walker and i would say that they're probably my favorite brewery even still uh in terms of just they have the highest quality um, beer, you know. It, it's every beer they put out, I get it, and I know it's going to be perfect. And, yeah. and uh, that kind of reliability is really inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of knew that, even though I didn't back then, you know. I was aware that something about them were special. Yeah. So as I've gotten more, uh, you know, down the rabbit hole about how this whole industry works they still constantly are the ones that keep things as good as possible and are I would say they they're not trend chasers which is another thing that has been kind of a big deal for us is not just making a beer because it's the thing everybody wants at any fleeting moment yeah Firestone are the ones that really give things time and make sure that what they're doing is, you know, solid and has a good foundation to it. So mm. that's that's one of my favorite things about them. Yeah. Is, is Firestone, they make the 405 or something like that, right? Or 805? Yeah, 805. 805, I've never had. It's yeah. one of the their highest selling beers and they don't distribute it out of California. Or that's not true because I saw it in Texas, but they don't distribute it to to Colorado. Oh, dang. So I've never had it before. Uh, but we get Pivo, Pills, and uh, Union Jack. Um, Luponic Distortion is one of my favorite beers of theirs right now. Nice. Which is like a hop experiment pale ale. Yeah. Which, that's one of those things. It's like, <laughs> I'm really into the, you know, it's not a smash beer that they're doing, but yeah. doing uh, different series on one beer, different riffs on one beer was kind of where we wanted to go with that one. So, hmm. so speaking of beer, what what beers, what 
What makes your beer different than other beers or more unique? Or what separates it from, from other beers? Probably our emphasis on doing as much local uh, sourcing for ingredients as we can. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite beers that we do is called 24 Frames Per Second, and it's a Sounds interesting. wine barrel fermented golden sour, and it's 100% Colorado wow. ingredients. And we won a silver medal at GABF for it. And I'm pretty sure it's the only 100% Colorado sour that's won a medal at GABF. And, you know, it's been interesting try- telling people this story about it. And, you know, it's kind of, it doesn't go over people's heads, but they're like, it's not, like, I just don't think some people get quite as excited about something like that as yeah. we do. Um, but we feel like the more we focus on um, having good relationships with people that are, making all the ingredients that we want to buy and telling mm. other breweries about it. That's the, that's the thing. And I would say that mm. as far as our beer goes on a fundamental level, I think that you can taste that. Yeah. You can taste the, you know, the fancy word being terroir, but the, <laughs> the localness of something, you know. It, yeah. I feel like the beer we're making has this kind of, character and personality and soul to it Mm. that if you're just making uh, standard beer using standard ingredients and not paying too much attention to um, the community aspect of it the beer can be really good but I just don't know about that other that elusive thing that is kind of indescribable but it's there but it's not you know what I mean Yeah. that to me is kind of what I get out of what we're doing hmm. and I've been told that people understand that and when they hear the story then they're able to kind of wrap their head around it and make sense of everything that's really awesome it's really cool is is working at a brewery different than you anticipated or thought it would be yes <laughs> as we've improved our processes for making beer and also running our business, it obviously takes a lot of work, and uh, that makes us really happy because I think that when you when you go somewhere that doesn't seem to care that much, they kind of look like they're not working very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody that works here is extremely invested in kind of the, every aspect of what we're doing. And uh, for me personally, everybody that works here cares so much that it makes it a lot easier for me. I actually worked here full time for almost a year and everyone was kicking so much ass that I ended up getting a day job again because they're just a well-oiled machine. Yeah. So I provide support um, doing the things that they can't do for whatever reason, be it that I own it and they don't or you know just high level decision making and creative aspects of where we're taking the brewery Um, Mm. but beyond that on a day to day basis um, they all work really really hard and they keep things going that's awesome it's really it's really cool that you have like that kind of staff that would work that efficiently Um, as a 
Is there any parts of your profession you find particularly enjoyable? So I, I'm a designer um, for a living, and I have done a lot of work in the digital world doing apps and uh, marketing and things like that. Hmm. And the most fulfilling thing for me about having this brewery that I get to work on with all my friends is that I get to do the creative side of it. Yeah. And so being a part of, you know, getting to make packaging for really great beer bottles and labels and coming up with events for it and all that stuff is my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Um, and so in that regard, it's very fulfilling and it's nice that there's something that I can be a part of that I don't get in the way of everyone. I yeah. make sure that everyone has the resources they need to be able to you know, make sure our beer gets out there. Um, so having this experience that I'm already, you know, I'm doing it on a day-to-day basis aside from the brewery. It's cool because it keeps the momentum going for what we're doing at the brewery. That's cool. Yeah, I uh, I know doing podcasting, like, I got excited about making t-shirts from the, well, I didn't do the creatives. Like, I, I just had it in my head, and then someone else did, mm-hmm. like, the design and stuff. But, yeah. I mean, it's, like, the littlest things get you really excited and are enjoyable. It's, like, the simple things you enjoy right. the most. When you have a vision... Uh, and then there's a lot of people involved that are able to contribute to little pieces of the vision. It, it's really great because when it all comes together, everyone involved is extremely happy with what everyone has done. And it all makes sense. You know, it's like finishing a puzzle. Yeah. And, you know, it never stops. Like, we work and get to a certain point, and then it's the end of the week, and then you're starting the next week. And that's kind of the other challenge and the other fun thing about it is you have to keep thinking of what's going to be three steps ahead of you. Yeah. No, no. I, I know what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think is the biggest misconception of, of being a brewer or working in a brewery? I think that a huge misconception is that it's the same as home brewing and that if you're good at home brewing, then that means that you you would be able to just up and start a brewery without any difficulty. And also, I think the perception of craft beer is, you know, someone has made a beer at their house and then they go to a brewery and they are extremely judgmental about everything. And, hmm. you know, there's a ton of work that goes into making beer on a commercial level that yeah. you're serving up to hundreds and thousands of people on a regular basis and you have consistency and quality control and all that stuff. I think that that is one thing with all of these new breweries that pop up, you know, at one point someone said there was a brewery opening every day in the United States, which I think it may have slowed down a little bit, but that's a lot of people, which I'm not, I'm not saying that anyone is not allowed to open a brewery at all. I mean, Mm -hmm. we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. When we started, I think that the grace period that breweries get to sort things out and learn how to be really good is ever shorter uh, because people have a lot of choice. Yeah. So that's something that I I think that people that want to open breweries or people that frequent breweries, I wish they would understand that it's getting harder and harder to be a small brewery. 
Yeah, because there's there's becoming more competition. People are taking like locations, and certain yep. locations or demographics are um, like they'll be centered on that brewery. Yeah. So it'll be hard to create more. And if people have a bad experience, they're they're judging their experience at your place off of the best experience they've ever had, and that's the comparison always. So yeah, in that regard, it's it's crazy. Also, you know, it's it's kind of like oh well, you know, this beer is all right. It's not we it maybe off but it's fine and then you end up letting a bunch of people down they're just they can go wherever they want you know so this is true it's interesting yeah what are your what are your favorite food and and beer pairings oh man so so many yeah (laughs) i love a great pilsner with pizza and there's a restaurant down the street called Cart Driver that is amazing, and they do r- really amazing uh, Neapolitan pizza, I think, and then they have Pilsner on all the time. Um, so I like that, and then uh, I'm trying to think. I love uh, I love drinking sour beer when I go to nicer restaurants because I think that sour beer, the acidity is really good for you know, richer foods and balances things out. So I look for that if I have a chance to choose, uh, you know, nothing like rip your enamel off sour, crazy sour, but, you know, more delicate sour beer is really great with food too. That's awesome. Yeah, sour beers are really good. I I, I always say like to my friends, like they, a lot of them go, ew, sour beer. And I'm just like, I love it because... It's like the salt and vinegar chips yep. of beer. That's what I think about it. Yeah. So when we have people come in and we suggest a sour beer to them, um, if they say uh, no, I'm not really into that, we will go. Well, do you like margaritas? Yeah, I love margaritas. I say, well, you should think about it more that way instead of thinking that it's a beer that is sour and that's weird because it's really all about acidity and something. Mm. And then when you change that perspective, I'd say most of the time someone who seemed very uh, uneasy about drinking a sour beer ends up liking it a lot. Yeah. So especially with food, um, that's another place where if you can get someone into it they and they understand how it all fits together, people love it. Yeah, that's very true. Um, what is what is your favorite style to brew and why? My favorite style of beer to brew is uh, unconventional hoppy beer. So when you take, for example, uh, we we do a a wheat ale, but we do a, a pretty decent hopping on it, and so it has that you know it's hazy and it has that wheat beer mouthfeel, but then it has this really nice citrusy character. Uh, that, to me, is a really unique balance of those things. Yeah, that sounds delicious. And then uh, we do a lot of weird darker beer, like the Cedar Porter. And those are always fun to make. Yeah, that's amazing. That sounds amazing. Um, what are some of the hops you guys use and kind of describe them? Sure. Uh, we use a lot of Colorado hops, so we have Colorado-grown Cascade, Chinook, Willamette, Centennial, and then uh, we use 
of non-Colorado hops. We use uh, Citra, Mosaic, which are pretty ubiquitous industry-wide nowadays. Um, we've been using a lot of El Dorado, mm. uh, which is also citrusy. Idaho 7 is a new hop that's citrusy, but you know, not quite packing a punch like Citra does. Yeah. Um, which is nice for... I, the best way I can put it is I feel a lot like if you use citra in a certain way or too much, you just kind of get one note. And you can, nowadays I feel like you can drink a beer and instantly know if it has citra in it. So we've been trying to diversify the, the range of hops that we use in, in our beers. Um, and then we use hop extracts, hmm. um, which if you've had like Pliny the Elder, uh, there are a lot of West Coast style IPAs that use uh, hop extracts. We've used Amarillo hop extracts in some of our hoppier beers, and it's it imparts uh, a pretty decent like hop flavor profile. But you don't have to use as much hops to get there. Mm. But yeah, we have a wide range. Um, we've not really experimented so much with New Zealand hops or Australian hops or. Um, we were contemplating getting into the South African hop thing, but uh, that just kind of got cut off by the growers. So we're sticking with what we have right now. Cool. What is, what is, what is, what is your like most favorite? What are your favorite hops that you guys use? I really like El Dorado and Idaho <laughs> 7 a lot. Those are my two favorites right now. Nice. Um, Describe some of your beers and some of the seasonal ones, and what do you have on tap? Sure. We do a handful of sour beers. We have one called Jack of Hearts, which is uh, a table sour. So hmm. it's got a really nice uh, tropical character to it, um, but it's only 2.5%. It's Dang. very, very low in alcohol. So it's awesome in, in regard to not you know, getting drunk. Yeah. by drinking one. Um, we do that one often. We've been doing a ginger version of it recently. Um, we do... One of our uh, main beers that we always make is uh, we do a goza with uh, cherries in it. Oh, man. Um, and that one we try to keep on, but people drink it so fast. Yeah. Um, our flagship IPA is called Mojave Phone Booth. It's a pretty... Um, it's a pretty awesome West Coast-ish. I would say it's more of like a Colorado IPA. It leans more West Coast than anything else, but there's just something about it to me that, like I was describing, that's got Colorado ingredients and it just kind of has its own personality. Um, and then we do beers that are kind of designed around different maltsters. Uh, we do a dark English mild with a uh, maltster in Fort Collins called Blame It On Cane. So that's a sessionable English dark beer. Um, and we have a hard time keeping up on that one, too. People drink a lot of it. Dang, that's crazy. I'll have to try some of those at some point. Um, why did you choose Denver over, over any other city? I live five blocks away. That makes sense, yeah. yeah. That's the main reason. I, uh, 
I wanted to do something in our neighborhood. And actually, when we were talking about opening a brewery, I specifically said to my friends, if we can find a place in our neighborhood where we actually live, I, I'm in. I'll do yeah. it. And we found this building, and I said, I think this is the spot. If we're going to do a brewery, this is the spot. So it was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. If I was five minutes away and had a business over here, I would do that. Yeah. yeah. What, what, um, what, what kind of motivates you and keeps you um, passionate about, about being in the beer industry? Breweries are all still very kind to each other, very helpful. We all share knowledge and resources. That camaraderie is important to me. Mm-hmm. And even though there are more breweries than ever, it still exists. So that keeps me interested in, you know, moving onward and upward. And our employees also, you know, they they care so much, and that's a big deal to me. I don't want to let them down. They've worked so hard to to make good beer um, and give people that come in a good experience. Yeah, that's awesome. How how are you guys connected to kind of the local scene or or any, like, any of the Denver kind of scenic area? We are friends with a lot of the uh, coffee roasters. That's cool. Um, there's a coffee roastery uh, called Middle State in town that... Jay DeRose. Jay DeRose is yeah. an investor in this brewery. Um, and we're actually about to start doing a Middle State coffee stout uh, with him. And Huckleberry started next door, and we're friends with those guys. Um, what else? I'm friends with all of the small business owners in the neighborhood. We have a cycling club uh, called mm-hmm. the Denver Wheelmen that we go on rides and we try to get people interested in cycling. Um, we show bike races here, mm-hmm. just all kinds of things like that. And then um, my wife does a lot of uh, work in juvenile justice reform. Oh, wow. And so her nonprofit is called Lyric and it teaches. Uh, kids in middle school and high school about their constitutional rights and how to interact with uh, the police. Interesting. And so we leverage OMF uh, as a resource for fundraising, for holding events for that. That's awesome. Uh, just anything that we can do to, to make sure that uh, nonprofits that are working in juvenile justice reform are able to raise money and do things like that so you know we have a multifaceted. you know there's things that are more indulgent but then we also are working on social issues and things like that that's cool um, and then we also try to make ourselves available uh, to host um, you know local ingredient purveyors maltsters hop growers uh, other local business people um just to give them a place to meet up and talk and have meetings and things like that. Yeah. What What would you personally love to see change in kind of the beers, the beer industry? What would I like to see change? Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to soapbox about it. I get really annoyed, you know, and I've already touched on it a little bit. I don't love the, how judgmental and uh, rough 
people are that love beer or claim to love beer. Mm-hmm. They're just ruthless towards breweries. They're mean towards other people. I love the community that craft brewers have, but then the people that just sit around and drink the beer and, you know, give their two cents about everything. Sometimes I feel like there's a lack of education, so it's like, oh, they don't even know what they're talking about, but they're so opinionated. Yeah. Um, I just think that that isn't helping anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also the idea that there's, you know, trends, right? And people that are provoking trends, they're ones that make, they make or break the cool breweries. They make people hysterical about, about breweries. Um, and then there are some great breweries out there, which, by the way, we're doing fine, and I like what we have going on, but we have some friends that make beer that should be the most popular breweries on the planet and yeah. they get passed over just because you know they're not the hot brewery of the moment and mm. I think that, that that comes from these people that end up kind of being king makers so to speak and oh, yeah. I just don't quite get it yeah um, so I don't know I just I figure we all need to just keep our heads down and kind of ignore that and focus on what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, but since you asked, that's kind of the, my observation of things yeah. right now. I like, I mean, I think it's cool when breweries grow and they get big and stuff like that, but I love kind of the, the middle ground, like breweries that are in the middle that just like to stay where they're at and then kind of just have their local scene and, and that's it. Like, I mean, I think that's the cool thing and like you have an experience you get connections yep and i think that's really sweet um, yeah breweries like that and i mean as i see your breweries is very similar to that mindset and it's really cool so yeah and i mean in there right now are multiple people from other breweries in town hanging out at my place drinking really yeah and that's the way it is at all of them every brewery in town you go there people from other breweries are there drinking and that's what i love about it that's really cool. People that are making beer are the ones that I feel have really good knowledge about what to do. And then if you're struggling or there's something that you haven't quite figured out yet, brewers are the ones that say, hey, if you're interested in anything that I, you know, I'm working on the same issue. Like, let's talk about what you're doing, what I'm doing. It's really cool. And this is the place where it happens. Everyone sits around and talks. That's what the purpose of why we wanted to start a brewery. Yeah, that's awesome. What what advice would you give to someone that that's just starting a microbrewery or a small business? What advice would I? That's a good question. Don't Uh, start. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No. (laughs) I would say the best advice I can give is. Hire your friends if you're really sure that it's the right thing to do. But know that friendship is not going to be the thing that makes people that work with you do the, do the best job possible. I think even now we're almost five years old and we struggle with not being okay with the idea that 
people need to move on sometimes and sometimes yeah. you need to introduce new people into the group you know we started and it was only friends that were working here and hmm. uh, as new people that we only know in the context of running a business come in they're constantly improving what we're doing because there's less emotion involved uh, so you know I'm friends with everyone that works here now, but... That's amazing. I don't specifically hire people that I'm friends with. Yeah. Because I like to have that that kind of boundary in place. It gives the people that work here... Um, I feel like it gives them the ability to feel comfortable giving feedback on how we can improve. That's awesome. So That's really awesome. So how, how can people see what you guys are doing or see where you are like on social mediums and stuff like that or check you guys out our biggest uh, social media option I would say is Instagram it's at, at OMF Brewing we love Instagram and post on there the most um, we have fun doing Instagram and everything that we're working on is on there and anything that we have going on at the tap room is posted about regularly so it's a good place to um, know about that we also have another instagram called uh at omf tap list okay and if you follow that one we try and update the tap list every day so you can look and see what beers we have on um and then we're on facebook and twitter and everything and those tend to just kind of be an echo of instagram but yeah, our uh, our Instagram is really kind of the the big thing for us in terms of having people follow what we're working on. Mm, that's really cool. Well, all right. Well, I want to thank you for being on the Low Key Podcast, and I hope people come and drink your beer. Yeah, uh, we're located at Twenty Eighth and Larimer in Denver, just a little northeast of Coors Field. I always forget to point that out when. I'm doing something like this, and then I go, oh, people don't even know where we are. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're northeast of downtown Denver, um, and there's a lot of breweries, and we, uh, on the weekends, we offer a free uh, little shuttle that runs a loop, so there's always a really good time to come into the neighborhood and check wow. everyone out. That's really cool. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'll see you, see you later. Hey guys, and thanks again for listening to the Low Key Podcast. Want to thank Brandon Prof for being on the Low Key Podcast. And if you're ever in the Denver area, go check out our mutual friend, Freddie Brewing Company, and get a beer. And then also go check out their social mediums on Facebook, Instagram, and I believe Twitter. Go check out their website as well to see what they're doing. Guys, if you subscribe to us on iTunes, go rate and review the Low Key Podcast. Give us five stars. It'll help us out. Also, if you if you listen to this podcast and you don't subscribe, subscribe to us on iTunes. Also, go check out our all our social mediums on Facebook and Instagram. Go like and follow us. And go check out our website because we got some pretty cool stuff coming up. We just posted the first vlog, and we have many more to come. 
and t-shirts are going to go on sale. So, guys, that's it from Low Key Land. It's nice, it's easy, it's low key. Thanks, guys.